Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Today I have uh, Doreen Saltiel. Uh, she's an MD, JD. She's part of uh, Peak Health and Wellness. Uh, we're going to talk about her um, her work. Uh, she has a whole bunch of accolades and um, they come after her name. I could describe them, but it would take quite a bit. Doreen, thanks for coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it looks like we're going to talk about a very important topic today about uh, menopause and what, you know, I guess what the current therapies are uh, if, if women have issues with it. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background first. Uh, how did you get to this point? And then we'll we'll go into what you're working on today. Well, I started my career as an interventional cardiologist, Army trained and practiced in the Army for almost 14 years with my career ending as the chief of cardiology and the Southeast Regional Consultant for Cardiovascular Diseases. And so how I got into hormones, I always wanted to be an OBGYN, but a friend of mine, actually OBGYN who delivered me said, Doreen, you don't want to be an OBGYN, you'll be up all night. And so I become an interventional cardiologist and guess what? I'm up all night. And then I had the opportunity as I got older to learn about functional medicine. And I literally learned everything I could about hormones, read everything in the literature. And now my practice is primarily uh, hormone health in both men and women. And I also do preventive cardiology. What is interventional cardiology? And then I want to talk to you about your current work. Well, I take care. I took care of heart attacks. So I trained at Walter Reed to be a cardiologist, a general cardiologist. And then I learned uh, from some of the greatest out there, Chris White, Tyrone Collins, both of whom are at the Oxner Clinic, 
on how to become an interventional cardiologist, which is dilating coronary arteries and opening them up in, with either PTCA, percutaneous angioplasty with a balloon, and then we advance to stenting. And now it's actually the standard of care for acute heart attack work. And so that's what I did for about 25 years. Well, tell me about um, your work with, with women and their hormones. How did that start? Well, I did the A4M fellowship, uh, the metabolic medicine fellowship, and got very interested in hormones and then transitioned my interventional cardiology practice to a preventive cardiology practice with a focus on hormones. And then I met many, many years ago, Mark Newman, who is the owner and president of Precision Analytical, which is a urine testing company that does hormone testing, uh, primarily looking at hormone levels and hormone metabolites. And he and I collaborated and I started writing white papers and really became a hormone expert. It had developed over the past 10 years, culminating over the past three or four years, probably being the most and best well-read individual in the area of hormones. And so now I basically do hormone work with both men and women, young men, older men, and young women, some of whom are having difficulty conceiving. And then certainly as women are approaching menopause in that perimenopausal menopause transition area and during menopause. So what are some of the, um, the issues that women have when they, as they approach menopause? Aside from the standard, you know, hot flashes and night sweats and vaginal dryness, that time frame in a woman's life of perimenopause is a time frame where they're vulnerable to aggressive cardiovascular disease. That's when hormone levels precipitously drop and they will develop what's called endothelial dysfunction. That's the time frame when bone resorption is greater than a woman's ability to make bone and bone mineral density decreases, which can lead to osteopenia and osteoporosis. And then the third thing is hormone levels fluctuate and they predispose women to depression, especially if they at a younger age had either what's called PMS or PMDD, uh, which is a more severe form of PMS. And so that, that's really the, the big issues. And then as women approach menopause and actually are in menopause, because menopause is a clinical diagnosis where they have no cycle for one year, once a woman is menopausal, uh, osteopenia risk goes up and cardiovascular disease risk goes up. Uh, now, women need estrogen for cognition to think clearly, but really none of the big studies have shown us that replacing estrogen prevents Alzheimer's disease. So yes, you need it for optimum cognition, but the studies to date basically say it's not going to prevent you from getting Alzheimer's. It doesn't mean it won't help your cognition, but right. there are no big studies. How long is the perimenopausal period and are there any interventions or is that a time where you should leave things alone until you're fully in menopause and then 
you know, let's say maybe do hormonal supplementation? Well, perimenopause can last anywhere from a year to 10 years, but the average is about one to five years. And yeah, there are things, the hormone fluctuations need to be tested to determine how significant these fluctuations are. And then you can give these women bioidentical estradiol, which is commercially available as a patch or a gel or can be compounded. But I need to tell you that though compounding works, there are no studies that tell us about compounded creams and outcomes. There are studies with the FDA approved patches, all the patches, and some of the gels, all of the gels prevent, you know, will help with vulvovaginal atrophy, they'll help with vasomotor symptoms, but they're not FDA approved for bone mineral density, where the patches are for everything. And the studies that have been done with the fluctuations in hormones have been done with both patches and gels, you know, FDA approved patches. What's in the patches and gels? Is it just estrogen or what are they for? Estradiol. But what about pregnenolone, progesterone, you know, estriol, estradiol, et cetera, all the different estrogens? Estradiol is the hormone that you want to replace. That's the estrogen you want to replace, estradiol. Yeah, but there's other hormones in play. Do do women not have uh, highs or lows in those as well? Or is it only the uh, estradiol that moves? It depends on the time frame. Early in, see what happens is in perimenopause, if we're going to start there, progesterone starts to decrease. It doesn't go up and down like estrogen does. There aren't the fluctuations. It starts to just slowly go down. And yes, you may need to replace progesterone. Estradiol is the up and down fluctuations that cause mood disorder. And whenever you give a woman estradiol, if she has a uterus, you need to give her progesterone to balance the estradiol so we don't increase her risk of endometrial cancer. Now, testosterone slowly starts to decline. And yes, a woman may need testosterone. So again, it's test, don't guess. As far as pro-hormones like pregnenolone, it depends on the level. So really, there are not a lot of studies looking at giving a woman pregnenolone and improving outcome. There are for testosterone, there are for estradiol, and there are for uh, progesterone. Thyroid what, should what, always what, be changed. Before we continue... I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Well, what happens clinically, though? I mean, you, you keep saying that there's no studies for this, but there's studies for that. So well, clinically, do doctors just stick to only what, you know, a few hormones and what's what's already been proven and they don't prescribe the others? Well, they may if their levels are low. But remember, when you're talking about something like pregnenolone, it is metabolized downstream to other things. 
So you really want to start with the end product, which would be estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone. Start there. And then you may want to give back DHEAS. You may want to give back pregnenolone. But test, don't guess. And really for hormones and hormone metabolites, and why do you need metabolites? You don't want to increase a woman's risk of breast cancer. And certain metabolites have shown to be associated with breast cancer. So Dutch urine testing is what I would recommend for every woman before she's going to go on hormones. Cycling women, you want to know about their cycle, right? You want to see what's going on throughout the entire cycle. So you'd get what's called a cycle map, testosterone serum. And in women, it should be an LCM SMS assay. You don't want to just give hormones unless you've measured them and the goal is balance. And the three most important hormones to balance are testosterone, estrogen, estradiol, and progesterone. That is lower high thyroid function coming to play. Does that happen as a consequence of perimenopause or menopause or no? No, it can happen at any time in a woman's life. But in reality, gut health is one of the more important things for optimum thyroid health. And stress impacts the thyroid because the thyroid is an adaptive organism. And so if somebody's under a lot, a lot of stress, and the energy is going to deal with that stress, the thyroid's going to get downregulated because the body senses that all of that energy needs to go to what is a stressful event. So there's cortisol, the stress hormone drives a lot of what happens throughout a woman and a man's life. Women that have chronically high cortisol because they're stressed, or I've heard some women will have cortisol out of cycle, meaning Instead of it peaking in the morning, it'll tend to peak at night or in the evening. Mm-hmm. What happens with them hormonally? Like what, what have you observed? Those women tend to have, or men, tend to have a higher risk of cardiovascular mortality. And there's some, there's some data that talks about increased risk of hormonally driven cancers. Those individuals, women and men, are inflamed. And cortisol actually drives inflammation. And so anytime cortisol is out of cycle, those individuals are inflamed, whether it's high cortisol or low flat cortisol. What kind of cardiovascular events do they have and what can they do about it? If, if a woman knows that you know, she tends to have high cortisol a lot or that her cycle with cortisol is off with them. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Well, most of it is lifestyle and it's sleeping eight hours, taking yourself out of that stressful environment, learning how to adapt, uh, build resiliency. There are a number of kind of fun things that you can plug into your iPhone and with a clip on your ear, it's called heart math. And it will help synchronize your heart and your brain and help uh, with uh, stress. Then there are are nutraceuticals called adaptogens. And they're called that because if your cortisol is high, it will help bring it to normal. If your cortisol is low, it will help bring it up to normal. And so there are adaptogens that somebody can 
take, and it takes a while. If your cortisol is high, it's not going to go, quote unquote, go down overnight. It takes about three to six months. And typically, individuals who are obese, especially with central obesity, initially have a high cortisol state. And cortisol drives inflammation and adipose tissue is metabolically active and an inflammatory tissue. And so a whole lot of metabolic dysregulation happens in both men and, and women. So if, um, again, if someone has these issues, what adaptogens you said will work, but it takes months, three to six months. You mentioned lifestyle. I don't know. What, what can someone do? Let's say they have high cortisol, cortisol and their lifestyle is, you know, has a lot of stress in it. How can they help themselves? Well, one is meditation. Two is gentle exercise. Three is what we just talked about, coherence training, which is probably a key factor which will help balance the autonomic, the sympathetic, the rush, 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 and the calm, 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 balance that out, increasing that parasympathetic, that good tone, which is very, very important. And it, it coherence training is like training. You do it a minute a day, then you do it two minutes a day, and then your brain learns that when you get into a stressful situation and you start breathing in a specific pattern that you learn to recognize with this tool that you can do on your computer, uh, you can do it on an iPhone, that you start that breathing cycle and and then your system tends to balance itself out. Okay. What are some other types of cases that women present with, you know, either in perimenopause or menopause that really need addressing, you know, they're having a problem. What does that look like and what kind of help is needed for them? Well, a, a lot of women will divide it into two groups, women who present with mood issues and women who present just with, they're not sleeping because of hot flashes and night sweats, they can't focus, their hands are shaking. I mean, it just disrupts their entire life that typically starts in the perimenopausal period. Those women, you put on a low-dose patch, a 0.025 milligram patch, whether it be Viveldot or Climera or Allura, one of those patches, a, a low-dose should relieve, will relieve in 90% of women all of those symptoms and improve bad things from happening. In other words, their bone mineral density will go up or be protected. Their cardiovascular system will be protected. And then you put them on to balance the estrogen, 200 milligrams of oral micronized progesterone at night, and you will increase new bone production. It will balance the endometrium so that you don't get endometrial cancer. Uh, estrogen decreases breast cancer. So that's another reason to give women uh, estradiol is estradiol alone decreases breast cancer. Uh, and then testosterone also has been shown in a number of studies to decrease breast cancer. And so you want to give a woman about one milligram of testosterone uh, applied to the, to the skin and you know, that's where you start with balancing hormones. And then after three months of on of being on hormones, you test to ensure that you're balanced and then you adjust. 
I had heard that, um, yeah, I guess there was a very high number of doctors and maybe still a substantial number that don't like or don't want to prescribe a hormone replacement therapy in any of these patches or anything. Like, how hard is it going to be for a woman to find a doctor that's willing to listen and knows about these therapies? How common are they? That's a that's a really great question, because since the WHI, the Women's Health Initiative that came out in the 90s, everybody's been afraid of hormones. And I can tell you that there's about, I don't know, 20 years worth, 30 years worth of physicians who never learned how to prescribe hormones because of the Women's Health Initiative. Now, I need to tell all of your listeners that the Women's Health Initiative was not a breast cancer trial. It was a cardiovascular disease trial that they applied those statistics, cardiovascular, that they set up for cardiovascular disease to breast cancer. But when, you know, you kind of dust everything off and you look deep at the data, what you find is, and they used uh, synthetic estrogens, and that data doesn't even apply anymore. So there are a significant number of doctors who, number one, don't know that estradiol decreases breast cancer, and two, who know how to prescribe hormones. Most functional medicine doctors who have either gone through A4M's training or IFM's training know how to prescribe hormones. And so I would look for somebody who is functional medicine trained, either through A4M or IFM. They all know how to prescribe hormones. They all know how to address the HPA access, you know, that stress access. They all know how to address the gut, which is a big player. So though that's, that's, the, that's the physician group you want to look for. Most of them have been traditionally trained, MDs, DOs, and then depending on the state, you can find a naturopath because not every state allows naturopaths to prescribe. For example, in North Carolina, you cannot, a naturopath cannot prescribe hormones. Whereas in California, in Oregon, in Seattle, they can prescribe hormones. They are licensed as primary care physicians. In North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, they are not. They, in order to prescribe hormones, they have to work with an MD or a DO who knows something about hormones. So look at, look at the state that your listeners are living and see which ones they're able to see to prescribe hormones. Okay, makes sense. So look for more functional people. And it'll say uh, A4M trained, A4M certified. Mm, ask, okay. ask those questions. IFM certified, Institute for Functional Medicine. Gotcha. Are there any situations that uh, you see women in that are just really a problem for them that are very unfortunate? And, and if so, why? Like, what are the tough cases and what kind of help can they get? The most difficult patients are the ones who have significant gut and HPA access, meaning cortisol issues, and their hormones and the cardiovascular system are really innocent bystanders. uh, Because when the gut is dysregulated, and the HPA access is dysregulated, doesn't matter how many hormones you give people, it doesn't matter what you do until you address the gut, and until you address the HPA access, meaning the cortisol access, they're not going to feel better. And then this is a very toxic world. And many, many women have been exposed 
to toxins. And the unfortunate thing is they get blown off by their doctors. They, they want oh, them to they? take it. They want yeah, them to take told? SSRI. In other words, mm-hmm. Paxil, an antidepressant. They're not depressed. They're hormone deficient. They need their guts addressed. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. When you say gut, are there certain probiotics that work versus not? Or is it not that sophisticated yet? It's like, you know, hey, check into fermented foods and probiotics and, you know, just do what you need to do. Or like, how specific is the advice? There are certain probiotics that certainly have been shown. Uh, Bifidobacter, lacto, bacillus, certain strains decrease cardiovascular risk. But you need to find a functional provider who knows more about those things. Yes, eating fermented foods if you're, if you can tolerate them. If you don't tolerate them, or you don't tolerate prebiotic foods like jicama and artichoke hearts, then you definitely have a gut issue and should see somebody. But you want to eat as many detoxifying foods as you can. Hmm. Cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, beets, you know, things that naturally detoxify the body, arugula, kale. Uh, There are plenty, plenty detoxifying foods out there. Eat organic as much as you can because the pesticides that they spray uh, is a toxin. Avoid, Avoid foods, for example, you know, non-organic uh, milks. Uh, uh, I don't think anybody needs to drink milk. You know, you can do plant milks, but you want it to be organic. You want grass-fed and organic animal protein. Hmm. You want to eat the perimeter of the supermarket. Okay. You know, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Those are the kinds of things that an individual can just start doing for themselves. Yeah, no, there's a lot that they can do. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Once a woman is on, you know, supplementation, a patch, whatever it is, uh, is that recommended for life? Or if if it starts to not work, what will a woman experience at that point? Well, if the doctor is regularly tested, they'll know when the patch starts to not work, if it doesn't work. And it's usually what happens is either They're not detoxifying well. For example, as men and women age, renal clearance decreases, right? Kidney clearance decreases. So because testosterone is cleared in the kidney, men and women don't need as much testosterone. So if you continue to give a guy and a woman the same amount of testosterone as you did when they were younger, they may, women may start getting acne, hair growth. So you really have to watch laboratory data and metabolomics to see how these things are being metabolized. Uh, What kind of symptoms, if a woman has too much progesterone, they'll get full breasts as if they were pregnant. If they have too much estrogen, you know, estrogen as kind of a bimodal curve, they can have hot flashes and night sweats with too little or too much. Same thing with progesterone. And so if they say, my hot flashes are coming back. It's either for whatever reason they need more, which is unlikely, or or because you check their levels and you check their metabolism, or now they have some degree of a they have some toxin, they could have heavy metals, their cortisol could be out of whack. All of those things can interfere with hormone metabolism. Well, very good. Uh, Doreen, 
Are there other resources you know of for women so they can get a handle on what's going on? I mean, this podcast will help, but what's your recommendation for listeners that uh, you know are having trouble or their spouse is having trouble? Um, where can they go for a start? They can Google the Dutch test, D-U-T-C-H, or Precision Analytical, and there are lots of resources there where they can uh, download they can read about all of these things. I've written white papers. There are blogs and they can find there a provider through Precision Analytical or and or they can go to A4M, find a provider. They can go to IFM, find a provider. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you, Doreen? That's interesting. They can go to Precision Analytical and call customer service or my, I don't have a website because I work with Precision Analytical and A4M. They can go to A4M online and they can find out about me. I've done a number of podcasts and webinars for Precision Analytical. They can go listen to them. And if they want to reach me, they can reach me through the Dutch test. Well, very good, Dorian. Thank you for what you do and for all this information. I think there's probably a lot of women that really need help. So I'm really glad you came on the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. And let me know how I can help in any way. I really appreciate you chatting with me today. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.